Welcome to the second season of SeaTech Voices, The Risk Perspective, the podcast that brings you expert insights to today's hot topics in healthcare cybersecurity, compliance, and privacy. Each episode of The Risk Perspective Season 2 features an inside listen into the conversations between SeaTech thought leaders, subject matter experts, and industry guest speakers who share their trusted risk expertise and perspectives. Subscribe to this podcast on Apple iTunes, Spotify, or your preferred podcast platform. New episodes are released weekly, and a transcript of each episode can be found at Synergistic.com. And now for the show. Hello, welcome to the first episode of SeaTech Voices, The Risk Perspective, Season 2. I'm your host, Lauren Frickle. As you've probably noticed, Season 1 of this podcast focused primarily on responses and topics related to the COVID-19 pandemic. Though we will still cover COVID-19 content, we are shifting gears a bit with Season 2. We plan on exploring the risk world beyond COVID-19. So with that, I'd like to roll into this week's episode and introduce our captivating guests. Today's topic, A Fool with a Tool is Still a Fool, There Are No Silver Bullets, we'll discuss just that. We are noticing healthcare organizations are adding tools to help alleviate new needs. However, many of the tools they are adding lack proper security frameworks, which ultimately hurt their NIST scores. Here to discuss this issue and joining us today are David Finn and Dave Bailey also known as Statler and Waldorf, not because of looks, but because of their demeanor. And you'll see what I mean in a moment. David Finn, otherwise known as Waldorf, is the EVP of Strategic Innovation at SeaTech. He is a recovering healthcare CIO and health IT evangelist. He's a former IT auditor, security, and privacy officer, and has two degrees in theater. Go figure. Dave Bailey, our Statler, is the Director of Security Services at SeaTech and is the better-looking Muppet, self-proclaimed. Welcome to the show, David Waldorf-Finn and Dave Statler-Bailey. Thank you, Lauren. It is a pleasure to be here, and I am looking forward to this discussion and finding out what we can find out and sharing that with everyone. Yeah, same here, Lauren. And uh, it's always a pleasure to talk about risk in cybersecurity healthcare and just happy that, that I'm here with David and you to uh, talk about a, a topic that's near and dear to our hearts. And that topic is actually the data in our annual report. Dave uh, mentioned his assessment work here, over 300 assessments. And back in 2018, we published our first annual report on 2017 data, a year's worth of assessments across the industry. And that was called Improving Readiness for Meeting Cyber Threats. And that was a real easy report because it was the first year we'd ever collected data against the NIST CSF and the HIPAA security rule. And we figured it was going to be interesting. There was great demand for it. So in 2019, we published the report on the 2018 data and ran the comparisons. And that report was called Measuring Progress, Expanding the Horizon. And in 2020, we're going to publish a report on the 2019 data. And it really is about setting direction, which seems appropriate somehow after the year we've been through in 2020 with COVID and and all that. This is an opportunity to reset ourselves as cybersecurity professionals in healthcare and move forward. And it was interesting because 
Dave mentioned, he's, he's involved to some degree in almost every one of these assessments. In fact, every one of these assessments. And I kind of get the data at the end of the year and start looking through it. And so that led to some interesting findings. Now that we've got three years of data, and I will just say that is a non-trivial amount of data, all these assessments over roughly 300 assessments at physical facilities each year, over 100 customers each year in all their facilities. And so now we are getting some perspective on it. And the thing that surprised me, and I'm going to turn this into a question for Dave, is he sees this coming in and he kind of knows what the end of the year is going to look like. I get it at the end of the year. And I was very surprised to see that scores overall went down. They went up from 2017 to 2018, and I was expecting from 2018 to 2019 they would go up, but we actually declined. So I'm going to ask Statler here, what the hell is happening? Well, no, this is, uh, it's it's really actually a, a great question and great perspective. I, I want to start out by just adding some context before I give my answer. And first of the context is this, The NIST CSF, now in 2019, after all these assessments, when we started this NIST CSF journey back in 2017, it really is fully adopted in most cases. It took us a lot of convincing in 2017 with our clients in order to say, listen, you this solely HIPAA focus that we've had in security, how do we move beyond that? Because as we all know, if we only focus on the rule itself, it really wasn't the best indicator of what is required for an overall security program. How do you put your organization in the best chance to mitigate the risks that you have? And, and the NIST CSF really is the foundation and framework in order to do that beyond just focusing with the rule. So when we looked at 2017, we started to get buy-in. 2018, much more buy-in. And by 2019, we were in full swing with doing this CSF assessment. So every client, while we were doing them, you know, they started to get an understanding of what was required for the NIST CSF because you know, what we evaluate not only do we look at all the 23 control areas of the NIST CSF, but you know all the subcategories. You know we, we we come up with an assessment that we feel does a very good job of looking at a organization's security program. It also looks at their technical capabilities, how well they build things, secure things, harden things, and really how they operate and maintain their infrastructure. So now to get to David's answer, which is you know why is this so bad and why are we seeing what we're seeing? You know a lot of questions that we get is the goalpost moving and. In reality, yeah, the goalpost is moving. And while the framework is generally the same, and there have been changes between NIST versions 1.0 and 1.1, and I can get into those changes, but yes, there's changes there, but the reality of it is the goalpost is moving. What is required in order to address today's threat, in order to address the risks, you know, the dial is getting turned up year over year. And and as we use the NIST framework to evaluate a program and, and a program gets to understand what is all required of that. What we're finding is, you know what, it takes a lot of work, a, a lot of energy and effort that goes into mitigating risk and doesn't necessarily translate that you've matured your program from a process perspective. You may have mitigated the risk you needed to mitigate, but it doesn't mean that that you became more, you know, more effective. The technology is changing, the organization's business models are changing, the need and requirement to be more agile, to do more with less. And I know I'm throwing out a lot of uh, a lot of business phrases, but it's true. It is the whole hard reality that in order to keep up, 
You have to invest, you have to buy technology, you have to implement technology. And in order to do that, doesn't always mean year over year that you're becoming more effective in a process. So, you know, once again, this is all the risk game. Well, you kind of answered the question that I had when I first got the data, because with the move to NIST 1.1, I thought we'd see a big decline in identify with supply chain and authentication changes, because we went down in conformance overall about two percentage points from 2018. In fact, we're down from 2017, but I thought that was all going to be in identify. But I noticed as we looked at the core elements, we were down in identify, down in protect. We stayed even in detect, and then we were down slightly in respond and recover. So it isn't just saying the changes to NIST 1.1 is what caused the decline. Yeah, no, uh, definitely. And and I, I just a couple comments on the supply chain side. I mean, most organizations from a pure security risk perspective, they have processes that allow them to evaluate a piece of software, evaluate you know, some vendor that they want to bring into their organization. Not all of those practices are formal. Not all of those practices necessarily fit for every size, shape, or type of vendor. But for the most part, we see that practice within a security program. But when you really look at the supply chain component, it starts to look at things much larger than just the IT risk component of things. And that was a shock to some organizations because it really looks at how you know, what is the methodology that you're using to choose vendors? What type of risk and how do you associate that risk within your overall risk management program? And not everyone has all of those programs. You know, they're doing aspects of that, but they're not formalized. They're not 100% effective. And, and that's why we really didn't see a lot of organizations that scored from a, a formal and effective component, you know, within the supply chain. The other thing that I want to say about the protect component is, and let's not even talk about formalized scores. Let's just talk about the blocking and tackling that needs to be done. There's still healthcare organizations today that have to address unencrypted removable media. They have to address the ability to use personal devices. One of the best phrases I've heard this year is everyone talks about BYOD, but I just heard the bring your own cloud acronym. And it's so true because it's not just about, can I use my personal device? It's about all of the cloud technologies that folks have access to, how you enable those, how you allow non-organizationally owned and managed devices to interact within your environment and what controls do you put around them. So there's so many blocking and tackling things that have to, to take place that, you know, what we're seeing in 2017 that threat and risk has changed in 2019. And certainly now, once COVID is here, we can't stress enough that if you approach your program the same you approached it last year and this year, then you are behind. It's that simple. You really have to be looking at now, what does it mean that all of this world event has happened? What does it mean with the new threat landscape? And, and how do I need to adjust and adapt to my program? You raise an interesting point. The bad guys don't stop. No one comes in and assesses the bad guys and says, here, you, you got an A this year and this and a B in this. And I know you and I have talked about this many times. Our customers get a little too focused on the scores and not what the real job is. Any thoughts about that? 
the score in some cases is a necessary evil because you can use it as what they call a common language. How, you know, how can I look at an assessment methodology over an entire industry and come up with some commonality and trend? So, you know, using a, a score methodology to look at someone's process is a valid approach. But ultimately, what this comes down to is, is an organization's ability to manage risk. And one of the things that we have recognized, certainly over the years of doing these types of assessments, that you know, while we do believe it's important, we're even changing our focus and approach with clients to not necessarily negate the maturity score, but maybe de-emphasize it in our, in our way that we present data back to an organization. Because ultimately, while the averages and the trends show meaning, it isn't the full meaning and doesn't mean that work isn't accomplished. It doesn't mean cybersecurity needs to be on the forefront. It means that the threat landscape is changing. It's changing at a rate, I will tell you right now, that is much quicker than someone's ability to go from a two on the COVID maturity model to a three. So those are things that I, I think overall, we are really trying to change even our approach in 2020 to really focus the energy and effort on the assessment with risk and making sure that a client understands that ultimately it's about mitigating their risk. Yeah, and that's that's a great question, Dave. And I want to give you a couple examples here and, and get your feedback. But I think the important thing here, as you mentioned, is you want to track your progress. You want to make sure you're getting better because, it's, like you said, if you're not getting better, you're actually getting worse. Just doing the same thing over and over doesn't help. But now that we've got three years worth of data, it was interesting to go back and look. And yet, I saw an overall decline in the industry. So I looked at a couple specific examples. One was a small community hospital. They, they went through the process with us in 2017, not happy scores. And they made a commitment at that time to, they hired a CISO, they staffed their security department, not what they wanted, I'm sure. They, they went after policy and procedure. And over three years, they, come, they came up by, by 60 points on our measure. And this is a small facility. They, they didn't break the bank getting there. They just did the basics. On the other hand, we had a large uh, medical center uh, that was doing pretty good, had, had good scores, solid performance, and over the course of two years added a number of affiliates. And they went backwards. So the message for me on the, on the small community hospital system is, if you actually put a plan in place and work it, you'll get better. But what's happening in bigger places where they're doing at least the same stuff and falling backwards? Yeah, no, I think where you see the unfortunate reality with measuring progress, it highlights like the larger medical center example highlights the need for an organization to integrate cybersecurity into their overall business strategic plan and knowing that, hey, if we've come this far and we've progressed over the years to develop a program that's able to mitigate our risk at a certain level, now we've changed the business. Not only are we changing the business, that drives new trust relationships. It drives different places that data flows and moves. And now my PHI, not only outside the EMR, but it's flowing through different partners, different vendors, their vendors and suppliers. 
and you know we've really changed the ecosystem and unfortunately sometimes that needed change in a business in order to survive and i'm not sitting here trying to say tell a business not to do that but sometimes it takes a little bit of time at a slower pace in order to catch the program up and to make sure that all the appropriate safeguards are in place in order to make all of those processes effective so you know the the closer that the cybersecurity risk alignment can be involved in the business alignment that gap gets closed a little bit and uh you know obviously just like anything else the security professional in me would like to say that we're in front of that charge but that's not always the case and we we have to learn and we have to be able to adapt to the realities of business and you know business changes new partners new affiliates new relationships new ways that you have to be able to survive and provide the best patient care that you can will ultimately change your risk profile. It wasn't such a, a sky is falling message to the organization, but it was a reality that, you know, hey, we're doing the right things, but we may have to take a few steps backwards in order to go forwards. So are you saying something crazy like progress isn't always a straight line, but you still have to keep getting better? You still have to keep getting better. And, and just because you go backward doesn't always mean it's a bad thing. However, it is the reality in, in today's industry. I mean, I can you know shout at the rooftops like most security professionals do. You hear all the things. The healthcare industry is behind. You know, we're 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 not keeping up with with pace. I was just asked a question by another leader, and one of the leaders, you know, you know, basically said, you know, what why is it so bad? And you know, is it the fact that we don't have trained professionals? And 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 my answer is, you know, 99% of the time. We go in and talk to security teams in hospitals. They know exactly what to do. They have a pulse on what are the issues in their organization? What risks do they need to address? It's really a business discussion. It all comes down to how can they take their program, take their risks, integrate that into an overall business strategy because you know what? There's not unlimited dollars. There's not unlimited people. And they're going to have to integrate and convince their organization to make appropriate investment. And yes, the security professional me says, give me all the money and people that I need to fix my problems. It's not reality. So they all know what to do. And the ones that have success have built a program and, and the relationships to be able to write a line, like align those risk discussions when it comes down to the budgetary decisions to the board updates you know to to the ability to say you know what the organization has one dollar how do i spend it and you know you want to be able to say you know what yeah we're going to take 50 cents of that dollar and we're going to put it here to address this risk if not you're going to have to accept the risk and come up with you know other ways that you know in the long run may hurt you you may either ultimately cause harm to a patient or you may introduce you know larger financial risk you know due to some some large large cyber event well, I, I suspect Lauren is getting ready to knock the uh, stuffing out of these two old Muppets, but it does remind me, and your point is well taken, it reminds me of when I was the CIO and my job was to fix everything in the organization as the IT guy and the security guy. And it really does come down to the fact, Dave, that these are not IT, nor are they security risks. These are business risks. When the EMR is ransomed, when the system goes down or the data center's out, those are not IT or security risks. There's plenty of work for IT and security, but the business can't function. You can't take care of patients. You can't drop bills. 
you can't communicate with patients coming in or patients who are in-house. And so it really needs to be the entire C-suite supporting the CIO and the CISO in making these things happen. Yeah, and, and some of the great stories and, and certainly success stories that, uh, you know, that we can point to is many clients that have had great successes with, with moving their programs forward and being able to interject into their leadership the importance. They're able to talk about the patient. It goes back to patient-centered discussion. Why is it so important that we need to mitigate this risk right now? Because there's a potential that we could have some either disruption in care delivery, some patient diversion, you know, something where we are interrupting our ability to care for that patient. And, and when you can put it in those terms, generally speaking, you have a greater success in order to get the dollars, get the money, get the, you know, get the things that you need versus trying to go in and sell the widget. And with that, I'm, I'm going to give it back to Lauren and let her get us out of here. All right, there you have it, folks, straight from the mouths of Synergistic's biggest healthcare risk critics. Thank you, Dave and David, for joining us, and thank you all for listening.